place. You'd take your program and turn to Matthew 26 and put it right there. Uh, you'll be able to keep up with the scripture this morning. Well, uh, where we're at on uh, where we're at in Sunday school. Let's see. See if I can get this. Uh, we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus this week, and uh, where we're at with this holiday next Sunday is the birth of Jesus. And I am at the place uh, on Wednesday before he's crucified on Friday. So if y'all can keep that in your head straight, you're doing better than I am. So if I happen to revert to a place that we're not at this morning, you'll understand it's just, uh, it's just kind of all coming together here. Uh, it's never happened that way before. It's never happened that way since, uh, since I've been preaching here that We've had all that going on at one time. But there's a purpose for that, don't you think? I mean, God's doing something with that. I did, I did think about, uh, <clears throat> we have somebody new in the church this morning, and we have someone that's been here before, but if his mom and dad were here this morning, it would be somebody from the past. So we almost got close to having someone from the past here this morning, did we not? Anointed at Bethany. Anointed at Bethany. That's what we're looking at this morning. Chapter 26, verse 6. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So dear Lord, I pray that by your word and by your spirit, you will do here this morning with me, with this text, and with this people and this message, what you see fit to do for the salvation of souls, for the edification of the saved, and for your honor and your glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take just a little bit of walk through the last uh, 11 years. Uh, yeah, almost 11 years. We began in Matthew 1, verse 1. The book began with a genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. For 25 chapters, the account of Jesus' life has been moving towards a powerful and gripping climax. All right, so we've gone from his birth and uh, back when we started this, and that's where we are uh, this week. 
but we are moving towards a gripping climax. The murder of the king and then his resurrection. That's where we're moving towards. We started, and probably some of you would say too slowly, on February the 17th of 2013, and we are now quickly closing in on his death. While we have moved slowly, the intensity continues to increase. The final act of the drama is at hand. Jesus has come to Jerusalem for the last time. All along, Jesus has been preparing his disciples for what was going to happen, but really to no avail. They just couldn't get it in their mind. And, and I'll just tell you, the reason they couldn't get it in their mind, and this woman could, is because they were looking for the wrong kind of king. All right, now you, listen, guys, we got to be looking for the right kind of king. Okay, and, and, and so the, I've never seen it until we've been going through it this time. Um, the Jews' expectation of Jesus being a king was way too low. They just wanted to throw the Romans out of Jerusalem. He is coming as a king over all nations and all tribes. And that time, he'll not only be a king, a king over all nations and all tribes, but that will be not only an earthly reign, but also a spiritual reign, which is way more important. Matthew 16, 21 was the first time that he told the disciples that he must die. Matthew 16, 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elder chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day raised. He said it again in Matthew 17, 22 and 23, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. He'd be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. Then in Matthew 20, 18, he says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. That's what we've done. We're going up to Jerusalem. And this morning, he is in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper. Now, if he was in the house of Simon the leper, this is Simon the leper of the past. He is not a leper today. He has been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And probably out of that appreciation, he has the Lord Jesus Christ in his home. So, can we see as we went through these three times that he said, I'm going to die, uh, there, was, there was growing in detail First of all, he told them about his death and resurrection. Secondly, he said, I'll be betrayed. And thirdly, he talked about those that would be involved in the betrayal. And then in Matthew 26, 2, we find out when it's going to happen. You know that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, who's speaking those words? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when he speaks... 
It's going to happen in two days on the Passover. Somebody tell me what's going to happen in two days. He's going to be crucified, right? Regardless of what the authorities and those in charge might think. This is the greatest event in history. Russ said it Wednesday night. Our, 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 our concept of keeping time even changed with this. Historically, it's the greatest event. It is more documented and prophesied than any other event in history, without a doubt. It is the turning point in history. It is the centerpiece of what we believe. He died for sinners, arose again on the third day. And today, we are looking at someone who knew he was going to die and beginning to properly prepare him for his death and his burial. Verse 6, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. They were in Bethany. So we know who lived in Bethany. We know that if Jesus had a place to call home, it was in Bethany on the roof of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home where they had him a place to stay up there. They were in Bethany. They were at a man's house named Simon. Uh, We know from the reading of John, we know who the woman was. It was Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. And it says, A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, probably worth one year of wages at that time. So that was a lot. If you just figured one year of wages for the median income uh, in America today, that would be lots of money. In other words, it was very expensive what she did. And they were reclined at table. Verse 8, and when the disciples saw it, they, it says disciples, and I guess all of them had some type of indignation because it says disciples. They were indignant, saying, why this waste? But the one that really spoke up was Judas, and we know he's with treasure of the little band of 12, and he kept the money, and if they had taken this money and put it in the bag, he would have stolen most of it in inappropriations of, 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 of the money. For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. So they've got good reason for selling it. Why they should have sold it, they would take care of the poor. Verse 10, but Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? Don't trouble her. That's what he, he scolds them. He said, Don't trouble her, for she has done a beautiful thing to me. Verse 11, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Verse 12, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Verse 13, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Do we continue to do today what he said would happen? Over history, we continue to remember what this woman did. So as we look at the scriptures, uh, just a little bit, we'll look at a couple of things, but I want you to get this. 
Christ honors those who honor Him. Now get that. Uh, I, I, I just now thought about Matthew 10, 28. He who will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. Okay, so anyone who is willing to honor and acknowledge Christ, what a promise to us. He will acknowledge us when the time comes. You know when that time is? At judgment. He will honor us. He will recognize us. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, the woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. You know, God loves to honor his people. I mean, he, he's just like a daddy. He's just like a daddy that's proud. He wants to honor his people. He wants to say, well done. So this woman came during the meal, broke the jar, poured the entire content of very expensive perfume on Jesus' head. One pound. There was a lot of perfume. She, she poured it all upon his head. I, I figure she poured it all over him. The Gospel of John tells us it was Mary. And she did it for one reason. She loved him. She revered him. And she wanted to honor him. And that's the only way she could at that moment do that. Jesus had ministered to her soul. He had blessed her. He had ministered to her in her times of need. And and listen, if we're here today and we're Christians, He's ministered to all of our souls. He is, just like Mary, He has met all our spiritual needs through Jesus Christ. And and next week we're going to look at, and He continues to minister to our needs spiritually. So we ought to be about honoring Him. And for her... And for us, no amount should be concerned. All that we've got, all that she had, I, I promise you, she didn't, need, she didn't give this knowing that she had uh, uh, six months of uh, half a year of wages somewhere on hold for, for in case she needed it. She gave all she had to him. But uh, all of the disciples felt this way. Verse 8, and when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. They were indignant. They were put out. And he immediately rebukes them. And he says, But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing. Now, when I read that this time, it kind of came to me. It was obvious who spoke. It was, I think it was without a doubt that Jesus or Judas spoke. But Jesus was aware that Ju- Judas may have spoke, but all of them or most of them felt somewhat that way. Now, what does that teach us? God knows your, he knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. Okay, he does. And then he tells them, look. This man not meant nothing to you, but I want you to know, he said, this means something to me. Listen to what he said. Verse verse 13. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. It meant something to Jesus. And he wanted us not to forget that. 
Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's going to happen. This shows us how easily he can bestow honor. Listen, when he gets, I love that scripture, young men, in the same way, humble yourselves one uh, before another. Uh, because God is, uh, God is able to, uh, let me see if I, I might as well go back. I'm not going to get it, so let me read it. Let me read it to you. Listen to what he says. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Listen to this. So at the proper time, he may exalt you. He may honor you. Listen, it doesn't matter how low you take. It doesn't matter how low or how much you give. And everybody else may be making fun of you for doing that. At the proper time, the only one that really matters can honor you in a supernatural way. And that's exactly what happened here with Mary. Most kings and, so, and, and those sorts of people are gone and forgotten. Human praise lasts for just a minute. Have you not noticed how quickly they can love you one day and hate you the next? Okay? okay. You know what I'm talking about? That's, that's called people, right? They can love you today and hate you the next. But the way to be eternally honored is to honor God with our lives in all that we do. Hey, we can honor, listen, we, we can live radically for the Lord and radically for the advancement of His kingdom, radically for people, radically for lost people, and get no acknowledgement of it here at all. But then all of a sudden, there will be a day in which the only one that matters will honor you. So we need to keep in mind that Christ honors those who honor him. Those who speak up with Christ, listen, you won't have to worry. Nobody is going to get the upper word on you when Christ is defending you. Are you with me? Number two, the honor that she got was just a foretaste of the honor that she was going to get for the next 2,000 years as people remember her and the honor that she was going to get with where she served in heaven. Where did you always find Mary? Either at the feet of Jesus or probably sharing Jesus with somebody. One day, on that day of final judgment, listen, nothing that we have done for Christ with the right motive will ever be forgotten. Not one thing we did will be forgotten by God. Not one. This thing that brought the uh, disdain of Judas and the disciples at the final judgment will bring great honor to Mary. That's the way it works. Don't, listen, don't get caught up too much in what people think of you. Because really and truly, it doesn't make much difference. It's what God thinks of us, amen? What God thinks of me. So nothing of this world, did you hear me? Nothing of this world will be mentioned on that day. 
On that day, we won't be talking about worldly things. But the least work of the weakest saint will never be forgotten. The smallest thing that you ever did will never be forgotten. Now, how do I know that? Well, Jesus said to them, You gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You provided clothes for me. And they said, when did we do that? They didn't even remember it. But who did? Jesus did. He's the one that was speaking. Not a meal taken, a bottle of water given, nor clothes provided will ever be overlooked. Matthew 25, 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So, this, is a, this, this scripture is such a great example of how it ought to be for each of us. We ought to be so living for God's glory, advancing His kingdom in the local church, and loving other people, and doing things for them, that we don't even realize we're doing it. Are y'all with me? That just ought to be who we are. Are you with me? When do we do that? That's, that's just what I was supposed to be doing. <clears throat> they didn't realize what they'd done. But who didn't miss it? The Lord Jesus didn't miss it. No small deed done for the right reason will be missed. Human praise lasts only for a few days. The praise of Christ endures forever. Do we know what it is to work for the Lord? Do we know what it is to serve others? Is it obvious that we love Christ? By our actions, does Christ know that we love Him? By our worship, by our deeds, does He know that we love Him? Do we love everything related to or any ways associated with the church? There shouldn't be anything about Christ which would include His Word and His Spirit and His church and His people. It, it shouldn't, any, all of that we should be enthralled with and in love with. So what we need to do is to take courage, take courage and just push on. Just keep on what we've been doing, right? And if we hadn't been doing what God would have us to do, to get on board doing what He would have us to do. Now, we may be misrepresented by people. Amen. You may be misrepresented by people. And our motives may be attacked. Amen. But listen, there's no wasted labor when we're doing it for God. Are you with me? Anything we do for God for the right reason is not wasted. We may never see the results. Amen? Until eternity. Galatians 6, 9. 
let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, what's that last phrase? If we do not give up. Uh, Philippians, I'm pretty sure it's Philippians uh, 3, 14 and 15. Forgetting what is behind, I, I do not think that I've yet reached the prize, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Amen? That's what, we just press on. Regardless of what may happen in our lives personally or the attacks that we may endure, we just press on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Press on. Just keep on going on with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not what? In vain. Count it. You did it for the right reason. It counted, and it was not in vain, even though we can't see it. The prayers we've offered up, they did not go up in vain. So I want you to see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the vindicator of this woman. They falsely charged her with wasting money. And I want you to to see who stepped up to vindicate her. Do you know you will be charged by the evil one at judgment? Huh? You know who's going to vindicate you? And by the way, if he's not your vindicator, I was just having this conversation with a guy the other day. He's talking about how many uh, uh, public defenders he had had. You don't have to worry about it. You're going to have the number one defender, the number one vindicator to speak for you on the judgment day if Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you're a follower of Jesus. Do you understand that? You will be vindicated. He tells them what the good work was that she had done. Now, why was it a good work? You know, we can do all kinds of work. But it won't be good unless we do it for the right motive. And it's not to bring honor and glory to ourselves. It's to bring honor and glory to Him. If, it, it's got to be something we do because out of love. Because we want to represent God. We want to love His people. We want to love Him. It's a good work when we do it out of a principle of love for Christ and for His honor and glory. If we do it because we love Him, because we want to bring Him honor and glory, it's a good work. Whether anybody else thinks it is or not, right? Nobody else thought this was a good work she did. But it was a good work. She did it out of love for his honor and his glory. Number two, he tells them that they'd always have the poor with them. Y'all see that? And i tell you why we always have the poor with us. We have the poor with us so God can see how we treat them. especially the poor in the church. Now, what's that say about the church? Well, it says this about the church. The church will be made up of all kinds. 
the haves and the have-nots. And I want to tell you, there should not be a have-not in any church anywhere that's living the full Lord, serving the Lord, that has to do without the necessities. And I'll just tell you, it's not the government's place to meet those needs. Y'all don't want to hear my stump speech. I'm telling you, welfare and the government taking care of poor people, what a, what a grand thing it looked like. But I want you to know it stole from the church one great place of the church. I want to tell you, when it all comes unsprung, y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm telling one. we may not see it, Going to be gone that day when it all comes unsprung and there ain't no government to help the poor. We better be ready. Are you with me? There will be a day when the check ain't in the mail. A work may be good because the time is done. Timing's important, isn't it? It may be a good work because it's a special occasion. Jesus' death, his burial. Otherwise, it'd be just an ordinary thing. Christ here does not discourage the relief of the poor, but they would have daily occasions to do them good, but he was only here for a few more hours. That's why it was a good work. Number three, he tells them that she had poured this ointment upon him, preparing him for his burial. Now, look, if, if the cost had, had been a few days later after he had died, nobody would have made any big deal about it because that happened all the time. They spent lots of money on ointments and perfumes and stuff such as that, getting a body ready for burial. You know why? Because dead bodies stink unless they put lots of stuff on them. They don't, didn't have embalming back then like we do today. They didn't have all of that. Lots of money was spent for that. Nobody would have blamed her. But she did it prior to his death, prior to his burial. He said, I'm about to die. I've been telling you all along I'm going to die. But you did not believe it was going to happen. But here is a woman who believes it's going to happen. And she's taking care of me in advance for what's going to happen. So, if that's the case, and she's doing it to prepare me for burial, why do you, why do you begrudge her of getting the, the credit for that? Why do you chasten her for that? He tells them that wherever the gospel should be preached, what she had done would be told to her honor, praise, and as a memorial. Are we not, is that prophecy of his not coming true today here? And every time this scripture is read or preached, it still comes to place that she's being what? Honored. Christ seeing that her action proceeded from a hearty and burning love for him. Hey, I'll read it in a minute so I don't want to get ahead of myself. He gives her an appropriate reward. Without love, if a man gives all his goods to the poor, 
it means nothing. But if there's love in the heart, it makes the gift acceptable. You men listening? Love seldom misses an opportunity to perform acts of kindness. You men, we have a responsibility to love our wives. We ought to be looking and not missing one opportunity to give love and kindness towards our wives. I wish this was my statement. I don't even know who it is, but I've heard it several times. Love cannot be overdone when it comes to loving Christ. Huh? When it comes to mine or your loving Christ, we can't overdo it. Men, when it comes to loving our wives, we can't, over, we can't overdo it. We ought to be looking for opportunities to show them love. So men who do not know our hearts, they don't understand why we do anything, may be ready to blame us for actions, are you with me? Which God will highly commend and reward on the day of judgment. Did you hear that? Men of this world may find fault with what this church or you may be doing. But just exactly what they are being critical towards the church or you or us for, God may in fact, if it's done out of love, and that being our motive, and to be obedient to His Word, God on the day of judgment will commend it. You with me? Okay. All right, wrapping this thing up. In the account of the sheep and the goats, Jesus lets us know that the physical needs of his people are important. Remember that? I'm going to read it. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. The physical needs of his people are important. Amen? He's not downplaying that. It's important. But the time now, the time in which Mary poured this ointment was the preparation of his disciples for what was about to happen and their last opportunity to really show Jesus how much they loved him. That was the time right now. It wasn't for taking care of the poor. That, was, that had been in the past for them. There's nothing more important that Christians can do. Now listen carefully. Bob started us on this track this morning. He didn't know I was going to fall right behind him. Listen. You remember a couple of weeks ago we looked uh, at the phrase praise and worship? Well, really it was, in the, in the original, it was praise and service. Pra instead of praise and worship, praise and service. Now listen carefully. There is nothing more important that Christians can do 
than to sincerely worship the Father and Son. There's nothing more important than we can do. Why do we start out our Father which art in heaven? Why do we start out the A, acts in prayer, adoration and worship and acknowledgement? Why? Because, listen, there's nothing more important than we can do right now is to worship the Father and the Son. And it would do all of us men a little good to get a little more open in our worship of glory to God Almighty and our, our love and adoration towards Him and towards our wives. I, I mean, we, we guys sometimes have a hard time showing our emotions and our feelings. We probably need to work on that. So we found out in the parable of the virgins there's a, a, a time to prepare, is there not? They had to wait a little longer for the bridegroom to come some of them, half of them weren't prepared. There is a time to prepare. There's a time to work. You remember, he left and gave talents to, to his people. There was a time to work. And there was a time to serve in the, in the sheep and the goats account when, when there was time to feed the poor. There was, there's time to do all of that stuff. Listen, are you with me? But Mary knew what was important. There's also a time to worship. You remember? We're gonna, I, can't, I can't hardly wait to get there. She knew what was important. Listen, worship is important. That's why he set aside one day a week. For what? For remembrance of all he had done in the other six days. Worship's important. Listen to me. There's a time to study and there's a time to read. There's a time to disciple others. But we are required to worship. So, you know how our kids learn to worship? Just this morning, we had a great-grandmother lifting her hands in praise and a great-granddaughter emulating her. Right here in this church this morning. You men hear me? Your wives and your kids learn how to properly worship God and serve God from you. There's a time for worship. Private worship. Just you and God. Family worship. Singing praises to and serving the king and serving his people. Only when we worship wholeheartedly is all the others that we do blessed. Everything we do has got to come out of love and adoration. Worship of Almighty God. True worshipers don't ask or count the cost. You know, if that woman had thought one moment of time... That's a year of wages. If she had ever stopped to think that, she had probably been like us. She'd probably been in trouble. She never considered the cost. Hey, nobody should consider that they've got to get up on Sunday morning to go worship. That's just what they do on Sunday morning. We could start at 8 o'clock. We don't count the cost. True worshipers don't count the cost. Listen, 
True worshipers don't have to make time. Are y'all with me? It's always a good time to worship the Lord. Amen? Worship of God and His Son is just what true followers of Jesus do. We're people that every now and then will act like David. What Mary did was unique. What Mary did was lasting. What Mary did will never be forgotten by God. Did you hear me? So what you do that's from the heart, God will never forget. Now, you're not wrote down in the pages of of time, the pages of the Bible. It's already complete, but it won't be forgotten. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive anointment and poured it on his head as he reclined at table. But Jesus, aware of this, their indignation said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This account has been preserved for all to come to see. It's a memorial to Mary's love for the Savior. It has now been repeated for over 2,000 years. So what we do daily that tells God and His Son how much we love them will never be forgotten by God. Now, it'll be forgotten by men, won't it? So how does our service and our worship stack up against Mary's service and worship? You remember that lady Mary? You remember another time that Jesus was in their house? You remember that? This is what I couldn't wait on. Remember what Jesus said? This is in Luke 10, 38 through 42. You've got it. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Martha was one of those busybodies that always had something going on. And she had a sister called Mary. Listen to this. Mary knew where to be. She knew the important places to be. She knew, she knew what, what to do when she got there. But Martha, I'm sorry, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, she's indignant. This is another time that somebody had been indignant towards Mary. said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Sit at the Lord's feet. Be at the Lord's feet. Have time for the Lord. Then he says, and this will not be taken from her. So let me ask you this morning, just a few questions in closing. Do we know the King and His Son, Jesus Christ? Do we sit at His feet often with the Bible open and in prayer? Do we worship Him as someone who truly knows what He has done for us? Do you know everything that happened to Him in His ministry and in the last uh, few days, few hours of his, his life. All of that we deserved. He didn't, and he did it to save us from having to go that route. 
Do we worship him privately? Don't you think it's pretty hypocritical to come here on Sunday morning and to act or pretend as if we're worshiping where he hadn't heard our worship for the last six days? Adoration, thanksgiving, the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. Acknowledgement. Don't be a hypocrite on Sunday morning. Come, come here out of a week of praise, worship, and service. It will transform our worship. So just me and him with me telling him how much I love him. Just me and him. Do I lead worship with my family when they see me leading them in worship and to worship him? Do I lead my family to openly and passionately love him, worship him, serve him, and serve others? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do next week. We're going to look at some of the gifts that come with Jesus. Then we're going to look at uh, how we could love him more at the end of the year. But when we come back on January the 7th, we'll look at a man remembered not for what he did for Jesus, but we'll look at a man who is remembered because he betrayed Jesus.